All right, so we're here today with Evan Amendola, the one and the only, the goat himself, the myth, the legend. Welcome. Yeah, that's some introduction. Thank you for having me. <laughs> so exciting having you on. For those of you listening, fun fact, we were actually supposed to be co-hosts of this podcast, uh, funny enough, but then you moved to LA, you're out there killing it now, and then obviously uh, Rona hit, so... That didn't happen, but I'm here running the show. So yeah, we had big plans, big dreams, but you're yep. holding it down. You're doing a great job. So I'm proud yeah. of you. Yeah. We try. Or yeah. I try. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you're killing it. You moved out to LA to kind of chase after your dream of all things fitness. So you want to give everyone a little bit of a background. Like I know your story, obviously, but what kind of led you to where you are now? Yeah. So um I'll try to keep it as brief as possible. But long story short, um, I got into fitness probably around 12, 13 years old. And I always used fitness as an escape. So if I was going through a hard time, if I had something on my mind, if I had to escape from reality, or if I just needed a quick therapy session for myself, I would go to the gym. And I got into that habit at a super young age. And that followed me all the way to where I am now. Um, and fitness just played such a huge role in my life. It impacted me in such a positive way that I kept thinking to myself, if I can take what I learned and take all the lessons that I've instilled in myself and give it to other people. That would be like a dream come true. It would be such a, like a quote unquote dream job. So, um, I was working in sales. I was working a nine to five. I was not fulfilled at all. And I found orange theory and I started just selling memberships for them. Um, I just wanted to be in the fitness industry somehow. So it was a very small drop in the bucket at the time. And then, um, there was coach tryouts. I ended up getting my personal training certification. And then from the coach tryouts, I became head coach. Um, and then that was my segue into the fitness industry. And then, uh, yeah, that kind of brought me here. Yeah, I love that. We have we have very similar stories because, as you know, I had the whole corporate gig, too, and it felt super unfulfilled from that. Yeah, so you have a great dude. I always Does loved... people know your story? Have you talked about it on the podcast? Yeah, yeah. I've shared it a little bit. Um, for anybody that's tuning into this, my story was very similar. I used to work in healthcare advertising, totally was in the New York City rat race. Uh, I was working like 70 hours a week, crazy, crazy, crazy. Just felt super unfulfilled. Um, and then I wound up quitting my job and I became an Orange Theory coach. That's how we met. Yeah. So uh, the rest is kind of history there. But yeah, I'm sure you would agree that there's no turning back with that. I mean, I definitely would never go back to how things were before. Yeah, I agree. It's a tough industry to, hmm, how do I want to put this? It's a tough industry to make a living and to, maybe not. It's just a tough industry in terms of um, like job security. You know, it's always changing, especially now with COVID. The fitness industry Definitely. is probably the most at risk industry. Gyms are closed and personal trainers, coaches, instructors are now forced to go online and change up their entire game and adapt to their new environment. So in terms of job security, um, it's a tough job to have, but in terms of a rewarding job or career, um, there's nothing better. Yeah. thousand percent. It's, it's definitely a lifestyle too. Like it's, it's the kind of career that extends beyond just what you're doing at work. Like a lot yeah. of people, they go to their job and they, they kind of leave their job there or it's separate from, you know, their hobby or whatever. But, um, I'm sure for you, it's the same way. It's a hobby combined with what's, you know, making your living. So yeah, it's everything now. Super it's, cool. it's my lifestyle. It's yeah. my after work. It's my during work. It's my before work. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I'm fully invested at this point. Yeah. Eat, breathe, sleep, That's it. fitness. Yeah. No stone left <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
So that is super, super cool. So back when you were still here in New York, you did some crazy stuff with some ultra marathon training stuff. So if you want to kind of share a little bit of that, what you were doing. Yeah. So my entire fitness career or fitness journey, for the most part, it's been weightlifting, um, some small martial art involvement, but for the most part, I would go to the gym and be that bro guy and bench and press and do all these things and isolate body parts. Um, and then as I started to develop and evolve in the fitness industry, I saw there was a whole other world out here. And that really caught my eye because my biggest thing, I don't like to run and I don't like these endurance events, but I like to be challenged. and I like to be uncomfortable. So that's kind of where the two met. Um, so as I, again, started following people in the fitness industry and started to get inspired by different um, walks of life. I saw ultra marathons were the most, probably the most intense and the most difficult. So that's what attracted me to it. Um, so without any training, without really any nutritional guidelines or support or really a background in running, I kind of dove straight into ultra marathon running. So I skipped the marathon phase. I skipped the half marathon phase and I jumped straight into a 24 hour run. And my plan was to start at Montauk and run to Babylon. And I thought it would take me about 24 hours to get it done. I didn't know really what to expect. The elements were awful. It was raining. It was cold the entire time. Um, I had two buddies with me. They rode a bike with backpacks and they had all my food. Um, and yeah, I just kind of went for it. And a lot of lessons came out of that. I learned what to do and what not to do. So, okay. So I have to ask, how many times did you stop to eat? Because I remember you posted a photo of you with your legs up on someone's mailbox, like your legs had totally given out. Yeah. That was How many end. times did you stop? <laughs> so my, so I, I call this is a guy called Zach Bitter. If anybody's listening and you're looking for inspiration or knowledge, check out Zach Bitter. Um, he holds the world record for the hundred mile run. He did it in about 11 hours, which is ridiculous. Um, so Whoa. super, super smart, very knowledgeable. So I ended up reaching out to him and he gave me a lot of advice in terms of nutrition. So my goal was every hour have about two to 300 calories. Um, so I'm highly fat adapted. I don't eat a lot of carbs in my day to day. So the way Zach and I figured it out, he's like, just crush the fats, have the almond butters, bacon and salt and um, plantain chips and anything that will get you full quick um, and that you can digest super quick as well. Um, so every hour I would stop, we would crush a packet of almond butter or plantain chips or a beef stick, whatever it was, and we would just keep it moving. Wow. Yeah. That, I can't even imagine like what that must have been like. So how long did it take you to fully recover from that? Because I'm sure that something like that takes a, a super huge toll on you. Yes. So this is when the bro science kicks in and I went back to my <laughs> old ways. Um, so after the run, for those of you that don't know the story, I made it about 70 miles before my body kind of shut down and I collapsed and my buddy had to move me over and we had to get picked up and brought back home. So I didn't technically finish the 24 hour run. That's what I'm going to do in October, but we can cross that bridge when we get there in the conversation um, in terms of recovery. So that night, super, super beat up, couldn't move my legs, couldn't bend my legs. I got dropped off. My girlfriend kind of threw me in a bath and I was just laying there for about an hour. I couldn't really move. Um, yeah, I didn't, I thought, I thought I did permanent damage. I was like, I can't bend my legs. I, I feel like shit. I'm cold. I'm shivering. I'm throwing up. I didn't know. Oh my what God. To expect. I was super nervous. Yeah. It wow. was rough. It was really rough. Um, so I got carried to bed, slept a couple hours, woke up, still couldn't bend my legs. I was super, super nervous. I was super stiff. 
And um, so I guess nutrients, hydration, and I had these things called Normatec boots, when it's just like small compressions on your legs that help flush the lactic acid. So a buddy of mine brought those over to my apartment and I was laid in, up in bed for about two days until I could walk again. Oh my and God. And on the third day I started working out again and that's, that was not super smart. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So three days later I was back in the gym lifting weights. Um, my body was not ready to be back lifting weights. I just kind of pushed the envelope a little bit like I usually do. Yep. Um, yeah. So recovery usually takes about two to three weeks. Uh, I did it in two days, but next time I'll take a little bit longer. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Only, yeah. only you would lift weights three days after doing that, by the way. I know. In my <laughs> mind, I was, my ego took over. I'm like, you're good. Yeah. Like, walk today. Let's go to the gym. And that's kind of where it took me. Yeah. So you mentioned October coming up. You're going to do it again. Yes. So, so my are you going to plan? Sorry, are you going to like uh, approach the training the same way or switch it up? No. Yeah. Training is going to be completely different. So back in March, this was the race I was supposed to run in March. It got canceled due to COVID. Um, I ended up doing my own 24 hour race because I trained for it. It was in my mind and I just banged it out. So that was self-imposed. The organized actual race is October 31st. It's here in California. Um, that one, you'll have a crew, a bib, paramedics, food, a porta potty the right way to do these kind mm -hmm. of runs. Um, yeah, my training is going to be completely different. So I need to, as silly as it sounds, just run more and longer. So I would have my long runs. I would do 30, 20, 30 miles back home. I'm like, I'm good. I could probably muscle through the other half of this run. Um, but very soon you find out that's not the case. So you need to really simulate what's going to happen in the run during your training. And you need to put in more miles throughout the week. Um, I need to do more mobility work, more stretching. I'm going to throw in more recovery, more yoga, just different things to strengthen my, my joints and my connective tissue and different methods to keep me in the race longer than I did before. Yeah. Sounds like, sounds like a smart approach. And like you said, the right way to do it. Cause for anyone that doesn't know last time around, there were, there were no paramedics. There was nobody there aside from your friends to help you. So that was yeah, definitely, they're, no help. they're like, you're good. Just keep going. <laughs> one buddy was scared. The other one didn't care. He's like, you signed up for it. You have to finish kind of thing. So it was a very funny dynamic throughout that entire journey. Yeah. And that was brutal weather too. Like I remember that it was a super rainy day, like cold rain, the worst day drenched. you could have done it. Yeah. Yeah. My feet were soaked the entire time and it was wow. just, my clothes were soaked, but I was so sore and so tired and I had so much lactic acid buildup that I couldn't even change my clothes. I was like, these are the clothes that I'm in. Oh my gosh. I'm be in these clothes for until I'm, wow. until I'm done. Yeah. So did you, did you like listen to any music during it or did you just kind of zone out, tap into the moment kind of thing? Yeah, it's so funny. So before the race, I developed this huge playlist, all these songs that get me amped up, 50 Cent, DMX, Eminem, everything that everyone knows that I listen to. Um, but when I was in the race, I was so overstimulated and so, I guess, exhausted that the music was starting to irritate me. I was like, I can't have any other forms of stimulation. I just need to like be in the moment and take it step by step. So I ended up shutting down the music and the entire time. I didn't have any music with me. Um, I was just kind of listening to my breath and listening to my footsteps and trying to find a flow state that will kind of carry me through the rest. Um, yeah. So music was, was not happening for some reason. Wow. That's, that's interesting. It's funny because I've been looking into sort of being more present in your workouts. And some people say that if you go out running or you go for a walk, that if you don't listen to music for some people, actually, it helps them kind of maintain a pace better. If you're just listening yeah. to like your breath and everything and it's hard to do that. It's really hard to kind of just 
be fully in that moment because usually when people run especially like that they want to like escape from the moment they want to be like i'm gonna crank up soldier boy and just like soldier through this like whatever but that's really interesting that you kind of reach that point of like ah, i don't want it anymore yeah for sure and i know some ultra marathon runners that believe like music is a cheat code so like you need to be motivated or disciplined internally and then you can use the outside source if you need it but you need to get out there tie your boots up get your shoes on and just start running without the music and then you can use it as like a small little cheat code but that motivation that discipline that will has to be in you first like don't look for outside sources don't look for the caffeine and the music and the instagram posts like you have to really want to do this if you're going to succeed in it and that's such a good point too i think that that can be applied to so many different things of so many times people kind of get caught up in the notion of trying to find some sort of outside motivation or some sort of outside piece of validation of I'm going to run because I want to look better in my bikini or I'm going to do this because this person posted this photo and I want to look that good. I want to do that. But if you don't have some sort of internal compass that's telling you that this is what you want to do to fulfill something greater than just like a the way you look or, you know, some sort of fleeting kind of thing if you don't have that motivation you're never going to be able to really succeed in the way that you could if you had something deep within you that's pushing you to that next level yeah agreed and that deep desire to be a little bit better helps with consistency and um, longevity so if you have that inside of you that flame doesn't really burn out if you're just going for a quick fix or a short-term goal that's great and you'll probably achieve that but that long-term goal that longevity i'm doing this for life this is who i am i'm i'm a hard worker i'm disciplined i want to be uncomfortable and i want to find the best version of myself that flame doesn't burn out yeah thousand percent and then you start identifying with that too because you said like i am a hard worker i am disciplined so i always think it's really important what we attach to the words i am and I was talking to this about one of my other guests who actually was an ultra marathon runner too. Her name was Gabby. So um, we were talking about this a little bit, but I never used to think of myself as a runner, like in any size, shape or form. I was the kid in middle school that was last in line, like last one around the track. I was so slow. Um, And then all of a sudden, when I started really exploring a lot more of this mindset stuff that goes in with fitness, I was like, you know what? I don't need to put that label on myself anymore. So I stopped thinking of myself as not a runner And I Mm -hmm. sort of just embraced the notion that, you know what, I am capable of doing this and I can do this. Like, why not me? Um, And when that, yeah. yeah. And when that switch flipped, it was like, oh shit, I just ran six miles and it was fine. Like, and I never, ever used to be able to do that. So. Yeah. yeah. I believe these um, physical tasks or whatever you want to call it, it requires like a small, healthy bit of ego, a little bit of confidence um, to get started. And then you can dabble in it once you're there, but you need to, believe in yourself. You need to understand you're, I'm no different than whoever's listening. And all these people you see on these magazines and these athletes, there's no difference. It's just work ethic. Yeah. Genetics probably play a small role and the cards they were dealt definitely um, plays a small role, but there's no difference in the way they train and their intensity. They just want it a little bit more than somebody else that doesn't work for it. So um, understanding like, Oh, I can do anything I set my mind to. I just have to work and I just have to work really hard and not stop until I get it. Okay, beautiful. So once you have that realization, that's when the whole game changes. That's a completely different animal. So um, my biggest goal as a trainer, as a coach, as a whatever I am, um, is to help people reach their true potential and let them see like, oh, shit, I can do anything. Like I can legitimately do anything with the right direction, the right people in my corner, the right trainer. 
um, and the right guidance and the confidence, I can, I can do anything I want to do. And I think that's huge. Yeah, that's so huge. And it's, it's so interesting to me. And the reason why I started this podcast is to explore, you know, the connection between our mindset and what we can experience physically, especially when it comes to working out. So like you said, I mean, some people do have a little bit of an advantage if they have access to more resources, but there's no superhuman gene that makes this person over here, they can run a marathon, but you can never do it. Like correct. everybody has the I ability. mean, that person might be have the correct body type. He might get it done faster, but it's not about speed at that point. It's about completion. It's about doing the task. Um, so even if this guy is running it in five hours and it takes you seven, you guys are the same. There's no different. You have the same work ethic, the same mindset. He was genetically gifted a little bit more maybe he trained a little bit longer but everyone has to start somewhere so there's not really a difference between those two people yeah and this the start of starting somewhere like you said starts with that confidence starts with having a little bit of faith in yourself and um and not being afraid to to give it a shot and not hold yourself back so yeah agreed yeah so you mentioned something earlier about how you said that you learned a lot of life lessons from uh, the ultra marathon or 24 hour race that you did. So what do you think you learned from that? Obviously, uh, you know, do it right with paramedics next time around. Um, but what do you think you learned about that as more of a mindset approach? Did you learn anything kind of in that sense? Yeah. So let me see how I can word it without being too spiritual. Um, (laughs) so basically it was like an ego dissolving experience. Um, it was before the race. I was like, yeah, I can do it. I just have to bang it out and it's going to suck for 24 hours. No problem. Boom. But during the race, it's like, oh, you didn't prep for this. You didn't earn this. Like this is not happening right now because you didn't take the proper steps, the proper precautions leading up to this event. So you're not going to get what you set out to do. And in my mind, I'm like, oh, okay. So if there's something you want to accomplish, if there's something you want to do, no matter how big, you have to take the proper steps to get there. Um, so the reason why I didn't quote unquote, finish the race or do as well as I wanted to. It's just flat out, I didn't take the right steps and I didn't work as hard as I should have. And a lot of people, they can't really accept that. It's hard for them to take a step back, look at themselves and be like, you're not doing the work that needs to be done for you to accomplish the goals you want to do. And that's when they start blaming it on other people, the elements. I could have easily blamed it on oh, my wet shoes. It's raining. It's shitty out. I ran on concrete the whole time instead of a trail. But no, when it came down to it, you didn't work as hard as you could have. You didn't reach your true potential. You didn't match the intensity that you thought you matched. And there's more. There's more inside you. You didn't unlock everything. Um, there's a lot of skills. There's a lot of endurance. There's a lot of mindset that's still dormant inside of you. Next time around, let's unlock it. And I kind of apply that um, in all aspects of life, in career and relationships and friendships. Um, there's more. You just have to do the work kind of thing. Yeah, that is, that's such a place of self-awareness too, to kind of be able to look at yourself and say, you straight up, you didn't do the work. Like, as you said, most people, yeah, most people, and I, I would probably be in the same, you know, mindset of trying to maybe like deflect it onto something else or shift the blame outside of yourself. But there, there is no cheat code, you know, to, to true success of, you know, really being successful and not just like on a, you know, physical or visceral level, but truly successful there's no cheat code. You can't, you know, fake your way to it. You got to work hard. You got to be disciplined. So for sure. Yeah. And harder than you want to work. It's if you feel like you're working hard and you're proud of yourself, you're probably not working as hard as you could be. Yeah. So, yeah, that's funny. It makes me think someone once told me like when people become famous overnight, those people usually mm-hmm. have five years of work before you even saw them being quote famous overnight. So 
Yeah, five at minimum. Yeah. Probably more. There's a quote, I think, I think it was from Denzel Washington. He's like, yeah, I'm a 20 year overnight success. Like there was so much work yeah. that nobody really saw and so many sleepless nights and early mornings and rejection. Rejection is huge. You're going to hear no a lot more than you're going to hear yes. And that's when you need to stay the course. You need to believe in yourself. It's super, super important to believe in yourself and understand your time is coming. You have to keep chipping away and you're never throwing in the towel if you want to make it. Yeah. Perseverance. You yeah. got to you got to keep at it. And yeah, I think sure. also, like you said, um, getting used to people saying no that's kind of something that you could use as your fuel. So have you had any experience with rejection that's kind of shaped you or pushed you a little bit more to motivate you? Yeah, nothing on a huge scale, um, but definitely jobs that I set out to do, they said no. All right, let me go back to the drawing board, reevaluate and move in a different direction. So I've definitely had my fair share of rejection. Um, Anything that you can think of that brought you here? Has anything happened to you that you had to reevaluate, readjust and change your game plan a little bit? Mm -hmm. Well... I don't know if anyone listening to this podcast knows, but um, I used to want to be a professional singer. Like that was what I had kind of wanted to do. And I had tried out for every single singing show imaginable. I've tried out for all of them uh, multiple times. And that's like if you You went to Hollywood. Yeah, I did. So anyone listening, I went to um, Hollywood week season 13 of American Idol. So that was super cool. Um, But a huge part of that process was like being rejected a lot, like a lot, a lot, a lot. Um, and it was, I kid you not, I was probably being rejected like 50 times if I combined all the amount of times that I tried out. And then one time someone saying yes. Um, and it shapes you, like it gives you a thick skin. I think, especially at a young age when you kind of can toughen up to that and also learn to take it constructively rather than someone trying to make it as an attack against you say, you know what? Okay. Let me see. How can I improve? How can I like evaluate what I've done and not take it so personally and not take things to mm. heart too. I think that that's something you can apply to any area of your life is, you know, being accepting of constructive criticism and leveling up and and using that as fuel to to push you further. I think that rejection can sometimes be the best thing to kind of motivate That goes you. hand in hand with what we just spoke about. Yeah. What we just spoke about with the endurance race. What did you take away from it? And that just came full circle about rejection and the life lessons you've learned from that. So it doesn't necessarily need to be physical. Yeah. It could be like you getting rejected X amount of times, you're pursuing your passion. It probably felt awful for people to say no. You're like, what do you mean? I love to sing and this is what I want to do. And all these people are saying no. And then you didn't give up. You're on American Idol and you made it past the first round. Like that probably felt super, super incredible. Yeah, it did. It was, it was really rewarding. And also like, this is totally unrelated, but kind of thinking about like, I always knew I wanted to like use my voice for something and this like might sound cheesy. And at first I thought that it was singing and, Um, and I really enjoyed that, like, you know, being on the show and and everything. And I kind of realized over time that I wanted to use my voice to kind of serve a purpose outside of myself and tap into something a little bit more. And I feel like I'm trying to make something of this. And I feel like I am finally, you know, really finding my voice by speaking out about things that I'm so passionate about that I've come to realize on my own and hopefully sharing it with others and and helping them. Yeah. Look what you're doing now. You're using your voice and Millions of people, I don't know how many people are listening, but no way. Hopefully one day, <laughs> one day, one day for sure. Yeah. Um, and you use your voice in spin class at orange theory. You're motivating your, um, you're using your voice as a tool to help others, which is incredible. So even though it's not singing, it's fitness and arguably fitness is a little more impactful and a little more important for most. So instead of having, I don't want to say selfish goal, but having a self-imposed goal as a singer, now you have this 
newfound goal, this newfound desire to help other people with your voice instead of just helping yourself with your voice. Yeah. So like that's that's huge. That's evolution for you. You know, that's part of your story. Yeah. And I, I feel like it has been an evolution. And I, I even think of just how much I've learned in the past year and I always feel like we can we're, we can always change as as people, you know. I feel like I'm totally different than I was five years ago. Like I've learned so much yeah, and I've yeah. grown so much. So, um, adding to that, or kind of segueing a little bit. Speaking of all this kind of like mindset stuff, um, I always like to ask people what your take is on, you know, the mind body connection, and if you have any sort of like spiritual connection to that too. Because I know you mentioned something with um, the running, and you said you didn't want to get like too spiritual, but I'd be curious mm-hmm. to hear. Yeah. So at first, when I first started working out, it was a my escape, which was important. And then it was to look good. It was always to look good. like come into the gym and get bigger arms and abs and a chest, whatever it was. And then I took the super, I don't want to say shallow approach because shout out to all the people that compete in bodybuilding and physique, but it wasn't necessarily for me. And I have a lot of friends that do it. So don't <laughs> message me after this episode because I love you guys and I'm proud of you guys. Um, but I ended up doing physique competitions and I would step on stage to get judged based on the way I look like that's all that really is. Um, and again, a lot of rejection in that sport and a little unfulfilling. And then once I took my fitness journey from looks to overall well-being and health and wellness and confidence and energy, and I took everything I learned in the fitness industry and I applied it to different avenues of my life, that's when everything changed. So the work ethic that I develop in my ultra marathons and my workouts and my lifts are the work ethic that I put back into my business. So, or the work ethic I put in trying to understand other people that may not agree with me. It's, it's a discipline and it's a practice, but there's a lot of life lessons that come from physical pursuit. Um, And I just feel more in tune with myself. And when I'm working out, I feel my best. I feel like I'm the truest version of myself when I'm working out, when I'm sweating, when I'm uncomfortable. Um, and that mind muscle connection, your body's exhausted, but your mind wants this so bad. Like you want to be successful and you want to make it, you want to be a little bit better so bad that your body keeps going. And that's the most incredible thing. Most profound thing to me is that mind muscle connection, knowing that your mind is stronger. Yeah. Your body is shot. You feel like shit. You are super, super uncomfortable, but remember how bad you want this goal. Remember how much you want to accomplish this you're not stopping. It doesn't matter. Keep going kind of thing. Um, so that's, that's my version of the mind muscle connection. Yeah. And that's, sorry, there was a lot of, no, 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 that's okay. That's I, yeah. Um, I, I totally agree with that. I do also kind of feel like I'm really in my element when I'm working out and I miss like being at the studio so much, or even in the gym, like I totally feel like I'm in my element. Shout out yeah. to Siri. Yes. Shout out. Um, I miss it so yeah. much, but I really, I agree with you there. And also the switch of, I kind of like to call your mindset, your inner game sometimes. So if you think of it as an inner game switch from, like you said, bodybuilding physique competitions of looking a certain way, and then you start to approach it more holistically, where you start to think of your entire being, not just physically, but mentally and spiritually and making yourself the best version of yourself that you can, like in all facets, that's the biggest game changer. That's it. That's key right there. That's, and I want everyone to find that in their own version it doesn't need to be extreme i'm i'm very much an extremist <laughs> yeah um, i work out every <laughs> single day for multiple hours a day and i try to do the most uncomfortable things possible but everyone has a different version of that so don't feel discouraged if you're not running marathons or ultra marathons if you run around the block that's your version of my 24-hour race yeah kind of thing. 
Um, so everyone, everyone will find their version of that. I hope I want everyone to find their version of that. Um, yeah. No. Yeah, that's okay. That was, that's what Um, entered my mind. I do too. I feel like, you know, different things are going to resonate with different people. So for some person, like you said, maybe for this person, they run around the block and they feel really good about that. Or you're going crazy with ultra marathons, pumping iron, like all day long. Yeah, or the person that does a 30-minute yeah. Peloton ride and busts their ass and they're tripping and sweating and then they go start yeah. their day. Shout out to that person. That's amazing. Or the person that does Orange Theory before work, after work, lunch break, whatever it is. Whatever your version of my crazy extreme efforts are, whatever your version is, that's a beautiful journey. And that's what you're going to start to shape and use to your advantage. So figure out what your journey is. Figure out your, <laughs> as corny as it sounds and oversaturated as it sounds, figure out your yeah. why. Um, and use that. Yeah. Use that. Yeah. Because working out and not even just working out, but you, you always say this, I always say it too. Movement is medicine. So any kind of, any kind of movement that you do, I also think it's important to think of the the purpose behind it, that you're always serving a higher purpose with what you're doing. So sometimes people get caught in the trap of going through the motions of their workout and not really paying attention to what they're doing. Whereas if you approach it with the mind muscle connection, like you said, where you're thinking about the muscles you're activating, you're thinking about your breathing, you're connecting with your body in the present moment. Mm-hmm. Um, you get, you get so much more out of it. I feel like at least for me, like huge difference. Do you have any other practices that you incorporate into your day-to-day routine? Like for me, when I wake up in the morning, I have a gratitude journal and I always like to write things that I'm grateful for, for the day, or just like freestyle journal, you know, for five minutes, whatever is kind of on my mind. Do you have anything like that that you do every day to kind of like set yourself up for success as a whole. Yeah, that's funny. And I'm not copying you, but um, journaling has been a new routine, a new tool in my toolbox that I've been using. Um, so I try to start my morning with that. Um, shout out to Lenny, my friend Lenny, he put me onto cold showers. So I wake up yes. in a cold shower in the morning to start my day. Uh, in California, it's a little different because the water is not super cold and it's always hot out. So it's like a soft version <laughs> of a cold shower. But um so a cold shower, journal, um, I'm new into meditation. I'm trying it out. It's hard for me. It's definitely a challenge. That's why I'm attracted to it. But it's hard for me to shut my mind off. And it's hard for me to yeah. breathe and be present. And I'm always on the go. And I'm just trying to get everything done. I have a checklist and I want to get everything done. So that's a new discipline that I'm trying out. So meditation, a little bit of breath work, cold shower, journaling. I think all of these things are very great tools to have in your toolbox and very beneficial if you can practice them and stay disciplined and doing them on a daily. So yeah, those couple things have been new to me during the shutdown. I was able to practice them and I don't want to say master them by any means, but at least get a little bit better at them throughout the days. Yeah, that's all good stuff. And I actually, so I had a guest, uh, his name's Jack Hensel. Um, he's the owner of a, a lacrosse company or a training company. And he was talking about how he takes cold showers and the benefits of cold exposure and breath work yeah, too. Yeah. He's super into breath work, um, which is like really fascinating to me. I haven't really ventured into the realm of breath work yet, but um, meditation, I try to do every single day. Um, I usually do it in the okay. afternoon, but it's, it's hard at first. It's really hard to just like sit so give there. People, give people a way to meditate. What do you do? Do you use an app? Is there a website? Yeah. So I think if, if anybody's just starting out, I think a good starting place is the app calm. Um, I think you can pay for it. Uh, it's, it's my most used app. The reason I use it the most is actually their sleep stories. So shout out Matthew McConaughey. He has like the best sleep story ever. <laughs> um, <laughs> If you're listening, Matthew. Yeah, thank, thank you, you so much. Um, 
Yeah, Calm is amazing. I I rave about it all the time. I talk about it in like almost all of my podcast videos, etc. Um, they have a lot of like really good beginner level meditation. So I think the best way for people to start, and I don't know if you would agree with this, is just like a body scan. So that's kind of a really good way to become aware of your body and you kind of think about everything here in the moment. Um, and to just like be in the present moment. So, so much of the day we spend trying to escape it. So like returning back to that is it's a new habit that has to be learned. So if you keep at it consistently, it, it becomes easier. Love it. Awesome. Very well said. I have nothing to add to that. that was <laughs> what awesome. do you use to <laughs> meditate? Waking up the waking up app with Sam okay. Harris. Shout out to Sam Harris. If <laughs> you're listening. Um, yeah, Sam Harris Waking Up app. There's a couple classes for beginners. So if you're not super sold on meditation or if you don't know it's for you, there's a couple free courses that you can take. I think a few days, actually, maybe 10 days that you can do. And each day branches off from the other. So um, it's it's nice. It's a little bit of a routine. You log on to your app and you'll see, oh, I'm on day two. You start day two. He'll coach you into sitting up nice and tall or sitting in a chair or laying in bed. It depends on the the meditation and it depends on the um the day that you're on but it's very um methodical and it's very beneficial so if you're looking for that you could use calm you could use waking up app i'm sure there's a ton on the app store yeah. so if you're looking to meditate start it up guys i'm telling you it's a game changer and, and people think it's kind of like a woohoo thing that ah it's not going to do anything it it is it has profoundly uh impacted me and there's even on youtube there's like a bunch of free free meditations you can follow even yeah. just like soundscapes there's free everything on yeah. youtube like even if you just listen to like yeah. um i don't know like like uh nature sounds or something and then you just like i said do a body something. scan yeah, um yeah start start simple don't put yeah. the pressure on yourself too sometimes we have such a sense of pressure of like oh my god i'm thinking about this i'm letting my mind wander here just like have a sense of like non-judgmental curiosity with your thoughts of say, okay, this thought is coming in now and you don't have to identify with it fully. Um, something that I've been kind of exploring is like when we feel emotions, like instead of saying like, I'm angry, I'm sad, just say like, okay, sadness is something that I'm experiencing right now, but you don't have to put that label on yourself. Just recognize that it's fleeting. Yeah. You know, it's funny that I've been doing that. I'm so conscious of that. I don't even know why I'm conscious of it all of a sudden is my thoughts. So everyone thinks about, so anyway, I'm trying to be a little more mindful and thoughtful on how I approach things. I want to be as kind as possible. I want to be as understanding as possible. And I feel like that's, people see that as an external trait. So if I'm interacting with someone, I always want them to understand that I'm listening to you. I understand you and I'm being compassionate and we're having a good um, conversation, but a whole different side of things that I've been focusing on are my thoughts that nobody can see that only I know about. And it's been a complete game changer. So if I, I now I'm really good at catching myself. If I have a negative thought, if I'm in traffic, if I'm going through whatever troubles I'm going through, I try to correct my mindset as soon as I have that negative thought, or if I'm cursing somebody on mother, whatever. And I'm like, no, 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 don't think like that. Like you want to be pure mm -hmm. and you want to be genuine and you want to be the best version of you. And these negative thoughts don't have a place in this body that you have, or this mindset that you have. So that's something that meditation helps me really get a control over grip on. So um, that's another huge benefit and something that I've been working on to branch off of what you were yeah, saying. Yeah, totally. It helps you become less reactionary yeah. to things. At least it has for me because yes, I used to be yeah. like more extreme of like really pissed off or like really angry or like really happy. And it kind of just like levels you out a little bit. And like I said, it's, it takes, um, 
it takes your identity out of the equation when it comes to like when emotions or like a negative thought comes into play. It's like, that's, that's not who you are. It's just something that you're experiencing in the moment. And even if you're thinking something negative, if you're like stuck in traffic, like catch yourself and don't beat yourself up for it. Don't, you know, say, fuck, like I'm thinking negative thought, like, um, switch it to something positive or switch it to something else. That's like, even if it's like a neutral thought, it's going to put you in a place vibrationally if if we get a little bit more spiritual um higher than where you would be with a negative thought agreed it's all about how you respond yeah to for sure for sure um so would you have any kind of tips for people as a whole that are looking to either start with meditation i mean you said meditation already but what about if somebody was looking to kind of switch into a career in fitness and pursue if, if they're really passionate Ooh. for that Don't do it. No, I'm just kidding. I'm totally kidding. Um, So it's an interesting environment right now. Things are different. If you asked me this question six months ago, I would a, let me think, can I, I I want to make sure I answer properly. So if somebody's looking to get into a career where they help people um, make sure this is exactly what you want to do. Understand in the beginning, it's going to be tough. The money might not be there. There's going to be a lot of self-doubt, but this again comes full circle. Stay true to what you believe in. So if you're not satisfied in your job and you're like, you know what? I love working out. I love mindset. I love health and wellness. I love nutrition. It's benefited me so much that I want to help others. Beautiful. That's your starting point. And that has to be your, your starting line. If you're doing it to look good and give off this persona, it's going to fizzle out. So make sure it's true. Make sure it's instilled in you. It's who you are. And this is really what you want to do. And then the next step, put out content. This is my Mm -hmm. personal opinion. Put out content, genuine content. It could be you speaking. It could be videos of you working out. Put out content, get traffic to your page, build a small little brand. And then from there, reach out to people, help you. People most likely will reach out to you if you put content out there. Um, if you're genuine and people can sense the realness and they can sense that you're knowledgeable and you're here to help, people will flock to you. Um, you also need to look the part, so keep that in mind. You have to somewhat look like you know what you're doing. Um, but if it's really what you want to do, if it's true to you, put out content, start helping people for free, as crazy as it sounds. Before I got into the fitness industry, I was giving my friends workout plans. I was helping people in the gym kids would come up to me and be like, Oh, how do you do this? Boom, 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 help them. And then out of nowhere, you're like, Oh, this is my life. Now this is what I do. I'm a trainer. I'm a coach. If you want to find a gym, maybe find a gym, but make sure they're not taking 50, 60, 70% of your clients or your money. Um, group training is awesome right now. Boutique fitness is awesome when it comes back into play. So once you kind of find what you're good at, maybe it's online training and then you start a small online business and you have a subscription service or you have a website where people can sign up for one-on-ones with you or nutrition, whatever it is, you'll find your avenue. But to start, fully invest, understand you'll probably eat shit for the first year, couple months, whatever it is. It's not going to be pretty right away. But if you stick it out and you stay true to yourself, eventually you'll build a brand, um, a company, whatever it is that you can take your own beliefs and your own training system and give it to others. And that's the dream and that's the goal. So if you're really looking to be in the fitness industry, that's probably where you should start in my personal Yeah, I, I totally agree with all of that. And I think it kind of aligns too with passion and purpose. So if you're if you're listening to this and you're yeah. 
you have a desk job. Like if you have something like what we both experienced where you're feeling super unfulfilled and you have this, this dream of what you want and you know in your heart that like that's your passion. If something's your passion, you're never going to be able to ignore it. You're never going to be able to, like you said, put that fire out. And if that's your true purpose in life, then you got to take that leap and go for it. Like it's, it's going to be. You have to take the leap and go for it, but you also need to understand at your nine to five, you might've had benefits. Yeah. You might've had a steady income. Um, it was comfortable, um, but that's probably why you weren't satisfied just because it was comfortable and it was easy. So you're going to make this jump. It's going to suck. It's going to be scary. There's going to be a lot of self-doubt. Your family's going to be like, what are you doing? You had benefits. You had to retire. There's going to be a lot of moving parts, but that's when you silence the noise. You find yourself. You say, this is the course I'm going to stay on. This is the journey that I chose, and I'm not going to veer off from it. That was my biggest um, lesson that I learned was th this journey is not for everyone. It's for a very rare breed, and is as tough as it is, it's way more fulfilling and it's way more rewarding. So if you can kind of weigh out the good and the bad and the good takes over, that's what you need. Yeah, to that's it's so huge. And like you said, it's it's uncomfortable. It's a risk. It's not safe. Um, it's it's definitely going to be no. it gets as some people say, it gets worse before it gets better. Um, it's definitely going to be a challenge. Um, yeah, it was so nice having you on and hopefully you can come on again in the future. That'd be fun. Yeah, for sure. I'm excited that we did it. It was nice to reconnect with you. I haven't really spoken yeah. with you in a couple months, so that was cool. Uh, sorry if it was no, that's okay. Vomit, but once you get me going on this topic, it's hard for me to stop. Um, I hope somebody listening got something out of it. I don't even know what <laughs> I said for the last X amount of time. So I hope something makes sense. Um, and thank yeah, you thank you so me. much, guys. Um, I'm going to leave all of the links to Evan's social stuff in the description. If you're listening to this on YouTube, you can find it. Any other streaming service, you can find it as well. Um, his Instagram, anything else? Uh, any other things you want to promote right now? Anything you're doing? That's it. Um, Coach by Evan is the Instagram. If you're looking to get some training done, if you're looking for a little bit of insight within your own journey, hit me up, message me. I got you. I'll there we go. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. Adios. Cool, thanks.